how they're trying to build their life and why they're trying to build their life. The values that through which they're um, constructing and to which they're constructing. So the first is identity, mission, belonging, justice, transcendence, power, freedom, and hope. I'm just gonna explain each of them really briefly. But these are the things that I think people are after. Identity, people are seeking a sense of self and an identity that other people will validate and affirm. We've never been more obsessed as a society with issues of identity. Who am I? What am I? And who gets to answer those questions? Who has the authority to answer those questions? Mission, people want purpose and meaning. People are looking for a reason to get out of bed in the morning and to face and confront the challenges that inevitably await them. And many people want their lives to be part of a heroic narrative of some kind. They want their lives to count for something, to speak and point to something that is grand and really, truly beautiful and really, truly important. Requesting for belonging. People are seeking connection. Look at our obsession with social media. We want community and belonging. The New York Times recently ran a piece entitled Social Isolation is Killing Us. And they noted that despite the rise in social media and virtual connectedness, there's a greater and more pervasive face-to-face embodied connectedness happening within our society. Here's a quote from them. They said, social isolation is a growing epidemic and one that's increasingly recognized as having dire physical, mental, and emotional consequences. Since the 1980s, the percentage of American adults who say they're lonely has doubled from 20% to 40%. We're looking for belonging. We're also looking for justice. Many people are giving their voice to a desire to act justly towards their neighbors, whether their neighbors locally or globally, and to act justly towards the creation in general. And they're seeking a more just society, a more just culture. We're looking for transcendence. Many people live with a profound, what some have called the awareness of what is missing. They can't put their finger on it, but they know despite all the material wealth, all the avenues, um, all the opportunities at their disposal, there still is something that mere materialism and simply a naturalistic explanation for everything can't quite do justice to. They're seeking a worldview that absolutely honors and emphasizes the importance of material creation, but also leaves room for the presence of the supernatural and the spiritual. People, are, people want power, they're looking for power. People are seeking power and influence through which at least to gain a sense of personal agency and confidence, to feel empowered as an individual, but they also are seeking power over obstacles they face. We're looking for freedom, and the kind of freedom most people in our culture, I think, are seeking is freedom to do whatever they want with more or less no constraints, and freedom from those constraints that do exist in their life that are holding them back from their best lives now. And lastly, we're looking for hope. 
People cannot cope psychologically without hope. And we know this instinctively, even as depression and anxiety has reached its highest level amongst teens currently today since they started doing surveys. So just in terms of the teenage demographic, 12 to 18, seven in 10 teenagers say anxiety and depression are major problems among their peers today. In 2016, uh, 12% of 12 to 17 year olds experienced a major depressive episode in the past year. While depression led to severe impairment, the inability to work, go to school, function normally in their everyday life, Depression led to severe impairment for 10% of teens, according to the same survey. And while there's obviously a variety of factors that contribute to that rise of anxiety and depression, I think we'd be fooling ourselves if we didn't acknowledge the fact that as a deep and pervasive pessimism overtakes our culture as it relates to the future, economic future, social future, environmental future, we're seeing anxiety and depression in the very youngest and most intellectually vulnerable members of our society continue to climb. In fact, there are even times when I talk to people across the age spectrum, how many within Nelson are even still seeking a source of hope or have simply just given up on that quest altogether. So identity, mission, belonging, justice, transcendence, power, freedom, hope. Now please hear me, those are all very, very good things. In fact, I believe they're God-given impulses and instincts. I believe our desire to seek those things is evidence of divine programming. It's a feature of our humanity as image bearers. It's not a bug or an adaptation strategy or an evolutionary trick of mere evolutionary development, our instincts and longings for these things are legitimate. We need these things, not just to survive, but in order to thrive and flourish and come into the human experience as we were meant to take hold of it. But in clamoring for these things, maybe it's an oversimplification, but I kind of thought there's really only three um, foundations, three strategies through which you can attempt to take hold of these things if you're not building on Christ. The first is moralism slash religion. And I'm categorizing those together. I'm kind of smushing them together because they both fall under the umbrella of what most people think of as do good, be betterism. Religion gives you a religious framework to say do good, be better. And moralism just gives a somewhat arbitrary, arbitrarily defined framework defined by someone else or a collective of people that says, do good, be better. That's the way you justify yourself. That's the way you save yourself out of meaninglessness. So whether it's through a humanistic lens or a religious lens, the point is actually the same. Through awareness and personal striving, you can establish an identity that's liberating. You can craft your own meaning and purpose. You can do justice and transform society. You can develop your capacity and interior power to overcome the demons that you struggle with, the obstacles that are in your way. 
the psychological dysfunctions that are pulling you down and holding you back, right? You just need to, and you can fill in the blank here, the different solutions offered. It can be you just need to look within. You need to pursue enlightenment. You need to obey the rules. You need to jump through these religious hoops or jump through these um, self-help hoops. You need to buy these books. You need to embark on this process of continual striving and self-improvement. You need to believe in yourself. And this is a big umbrella option, and it's a popular one today. And whether you're talking about the self-help religion expression of it or maybe on the other extreme, the social justice activism, more and more people are taking up the mantle to sincerely strive to be good and to do better. And yet, as I talk to people, as I listen to the cultural currents, as I read articles from people who've been in this mode of being for years, sometimes even decades, I'm hearing more and more stories of people who, through their striving, through their labor to transform society, to transform themselves, the world, it doesn't take long before they realize that there are severe limitations to this approach. We can't just simply willpower ourselves into a new kind of life. However sincere our efforts might be, however well-intended they may be. And scarier still, even if we do succeed in making some changes into affecting political change, into moving into wokeness or enlightenment, this only seems to poison our hearts further and deeper and tempt us into greater degrees of pride and self-righteousness, which creates in turn ever-deepening cycles of condemnation towards those who can't be good and do better and live up to the status that we've achieved. Resentment towards those who are unwilling to follow our right path. Unforgiveness towards the failures within the system of just do better, be better. And the isolation that comes from having to carry the burden of being so woke, so self-actualized, so good, you have very little in common with the average person. You create this kind of weird elitist class where, yeah, none of us are perfect, but there's definitely a strata between me and the sinners down below. And like the publican in Jesus' parable, we can even go to prayer and say, oh, thank you, God, that I am not like those people. So even when we succeed at these efforts of moralism or pull your spiritual life up by the bootstraps religion, it only re-entrenches us in deeper prisons. So that's one foundation, big option. A lot of people choose it. Second one is people who decide to build their life on hedonism. This is the pursuit of pleasure, the priority of pleasure. This is the right foundation. It's not about trying to be good or do good. That's a fool's errand. Just live for yourself. Live for what makes you happy, what brings you joy, what fills your bucket, whatever satisfies you. As long as in broad strokes it doesn't hurt other people, go ahead and do it. And avoid any commitments or entanglements, whether they're relationally or socially, psychologically, 
um, relationally, that curtail really in any way your freedom and your happiness because this is your life. You got one shot. So why would you allow the dysfunction and the brokenness of other people to curtail your life? Drop deadweight people and only surround yourself with those who offer a pretty significant return on investment in terms of what you receive from them. And yet the people who follow this path, again, discover, if they're paying attention pretty quickly, that the more they center their own pleasure as the guiding principle of their life, the more unhappy and dissatisfied they become. What satisfied them a year ago no longer satisfies. And like an addict who needs more of the drug to sustain just a moderate level of the hit and the high, we have to double down into physical pleasure, um, materialism, a consumeristic way of looking at the world and engaging our life. And all the while, they can't figure out why their life feels smaller and smaller and smaller because doesn't it just make sense that if I center my life around what makes me happy, I would become happier? That's, that seems like it would follow, but it's not following in my life. And lastly, some people say, you know what? I reject Jesus' idea that there even is a firm foundation. It's all foundations of sand. This is nihilism. This is just the philosophy that says, I mean, you could argue that nihilism is a kind of foundation, but it's just a recognition that there are no foundations. It's all sand. There is no meaning and purpose in life. And you're fooling yourself if you try and construct a meta-narrative, a worldview, a philosophy, where you think that there actually is. No firm foundation in this cold, dark creation is possible. Life is meaningless. And my experience as a pastor tells me that more people than you'd imagine live within this paradigm. They might not have the language for it, but the way they live, um, and in the secret moments of confession, they betray the fact that they are living with a nihilistic view, that there is no foundation possible, that life is meaningless. And these are usually people who have allowed deep cynicism to entrench within their hearts, deep cynicism about the future, tremendous apathy and resentment towards existence, I think is the inevitable posture if you kind of go down this path. So whether it's moralism or religious moralism, hedonism or nihilism, what I want you to hear this morning is no matter where you or people around you are kind of gravitating towards or being tempted to build through, Jesus declares that all of the efforts that fall under those three categories, no matter their expression, are futile. And he does more than that. He actually dares to directly imply that they're wrong, meaning they're not actually foundations even if you think they are. This is a firm foundation, Jesus. No, it's not. It's sand. I choose to ignore you. You're more than welcome to. You're wrong. It's sand. It's not a firm foundation. And yet many, many people will build their lives on one of these things. And the tragedy is that those who do 
despite their best efforts, will find the very things that they're striving towards, identity, mission, belonging, power, freedom, hope, justice, transcendence, all those things will be ever elusive. They will feel like they almost had it and it just escaped through their hands. And the reason is because those things and life itself was designed to be lived for God and with God. And so these are things that at their most fundamental level, you can't achieve them. They can only be received by those who align themselves to God's ways, to God's heart, and to God's purposes for the world. And by building their lives on the fully God, fully human prototype of what it means to be an image bearer, which is Jesus. The logos, the alpha and the omega, the firstborn over all creation, the God-man, the redeemer, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Because as the gospels unfold, one of the provocative witnesses is that Jesus doesn't just come as another religious option, but as a clear and piercing sound which cuts through all the other humanistic and religious chaff on the horizon of human history. See, only in Jesus can you discover and receive an identity that is eternal in origin and dignifying beyond measure. Only in Jesus will you discover a mission to daily life, even very mundane daily life, that can suffuse your Monday through Sundays with unparalleled meaning and purpose. Only in Jesus will you discover a divine connection and a divine welcome that will empower you into relationships of peace and connection and love with other people. Only in Jesus will you discover how to confront evil first within yourself and in so doing learn what it means to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And only in Jesus will you discover the glorious truth that this creation is a gift But yes, it's a gift with many, many layers. And God has embedded within your heart a soul that longs to connect with transcendent love and power and grace. And only in Jesus will you discover a power, not of this world, but a power that can be leveraged for this world. And against the evil powers that play in God's good world. Only in Jesus can you find power and authority to stand against the darkness within yourself and outside in the world around you. Only in Jesus will you find freedom, true freedom, the freedom that you're craving, not from all restraints that hold you back, but from the right constraints that allow you to move into the life that you were designed to live. But yes, freedom from shackles and constraints that are sinful, and freedom to become the person God has called you to be and made you to be. And only in Jesus will you discover a hope that touches every dimension of your life, here and now, but also an eternal hope that stretches beyond the horizon of this life into eternity. It is very possible to construct a life one day at a time, one commitment at a time, one decision at a time that has us building on foundations of sand. Some people build their whole lives 
on foundations of sand, thinking that it's solid rock. And then they're surprised at key points to find out that all that striving never got them any closer to what they were looking for. So my question that I want to put before you this morning is, are you building your life on Christ? Are you building your life on Christ? If you are not, Jesus declares whatever foundation you are building on, whatever kind of house you're attempting to construct, he calls it futile. You can reject that if you want. You can plug your ears, you can walk away, you can deny that message, but I want you to at least hear it. Jesus says, if you are not building your life on me, you are squandering your life and you are building on an insecure foundation. And you should not be surprised when the storms of life come that you find that your world collapses around you. Anyone but me is a foundation that is unstable and insecure. And there's two people that I'm speaking to. One is someone who has never trusted in Christ for their own salvation. You've just been doing your own life, whether you consider yourself a spiritual seeker or just none of that really you feel like applies to you. I would ask you and plead with you to consider hearing the call of Jesus to give up on your current endeavor and to start building your life on him. And we do that. I use just ABC acronym. It's pretty simple, but it's important. A, admit that you are building on the wrong foundation and that you need Jesus. This is what you need to do. You need to do this with God. You can do it after the service. You can do it when you go home today. You need to admit to God, before God, in God's presence, and be honest and say, God, I'm building on the wrong foundation. I'm a sinner, which means I'm someone who's predisposed to always building on the wrong foundations. And I want to turn from that. B is to believe. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Believe that he rose again. And believe that he alone has the power over sin and life and death. And he can give you new life that transforms life now and continues on through eternity. Place your trust in him. Not just belief like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I agree with that. Belief as active trust. As since this is true, I'm now going to live into this reality. And C is to commit your life to Jesus which at least has to involve confessing your sins, asking for forgiveness and saying, I want to turn away from the, I want to stop the building project that I've been doing. That's called repentance. When you realize that the path you're on or the building project that you've been involved in, you're like, this doesn't involve God at all. Maybe some of the materials aren't even that bad, but the whole project start to finish is flawed. I need to stop. I need to ask God for his help. Maybe some of my building project can be Redeem. Maybe some of it has to be torn down. I don't even. I, I just want to go to God and say, God, this is what I've been doing. I want to do it your way now. I want you to be the architect of my life. But you have to give over control to Jesus for that to happen. So that has to look like admitting that you need Him, putting your faith in Him, and then not just as a one-time thing where you say a prayer and hope for the best. You commit now to follow Him. You commit to follow the Master Builder, who every day is going to say, "I know you've been normally." kind of laying things like this, but I want you to stop doing that and I want you to do it this way. Your pattern has been, you do good to those who do good to you. I totally get that. Lots of people do it that way. I want you to do good to those who are your enemy. I'm gonna show you how to do that. We're gonna build a new kind of house. We're gonna build a new kind of life. I'm gonna put my spirit within you. You're gonna, gonna, you're gonna begin to crave that new kind of life. You're not gonna go want, wanna go back to the old ways of building anymore. 
So that's the first person. The second person is Christians like me and you who maybe started building on that foundation and maybe we haven't um, jettisoned our building project, but our building project has begun taking on a lot of materials and strategies that aren't actually sanctified in and through Jesus. We've allowed worldly strategies, worldly ways of looking at things, worldly postures and processes and language to begin altering. We kind of started with Jesus, thanks Jesus, we'll take it from here, and it's like no, he's the builder, he's the one who builds the whole house. We participate and cooperate with him, and so there has to be repentance on our part. Right? God is always helping us to build a life as Christians, but also pointing out, oh, this needs to be amended. We need to do some renos here. I see where you were going with the kitchen. Eh, we're, we're gonna switch things around a little bit. And we are gonna have to tear some things down and out before we can move forward. It's gonna be a little painful, but this is my house. It's not your house any longer because you've given your life to me. So you've gotta trust me that when I put the sledgehammer on the wall and start tearing things down and you go, <gasps> I was really attached to that, Jesus. I know, but I'm actually leading you into greater freedom. So there has to be a heart that says, God, where have I been building or continuing on from a good foundation in a way that is self-serving and not of you? So whether you're a non-Christian, whether you're a believer, it's still kind of the same question. Are you building your life on Christ? I'll end with the words of a song and a hymn that's familiar to many of us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. Jesus, do the work in our hearts so that we would see you, so that we would see your glory, that we would see the futility of our own efforts and the beauty and the freedom that can come from yielding to you and allowing the lives that you construct us to be a true monument to your grace and power and goodness in a way that is a huge blessing to us but also becomes a conduit of blessing uh, and grace and, and showing your love to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing with us. Christ alone, solid cornerstone.